this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can, you can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, it's a union member. Uh, just at the last moment, he said, I'm not going to be able to join you, but we want to give a big thanks to Chris Bishop. To, he was he's the patron for this episode he's our patron suggestor thank you chris this album he joined us last year for shihad uh, which was an album we enjoyed and also a, a band that got back together and recorded an album yeah after, after was... we talked about him well should we take credit for that i think we should <laughs> we we put the positive mojo out there and they received it that's so that's so fun to see band we had no exist the idea existed and then suddenly, within you know a year or so of doing an episode, now I'm, I actually recognize that they put a new rec, you know new music out, right? And we had a, we had a good. Uh, there was the other band from New Zealand that we liked. There was a couple of New Zealand bands last year that we discovered, and Chris decided to throw us another New Zealand band. And I'm I'm learning that um, via the comments on the Patreon. For this episode, the other people are learning about New Zealand and uh, Flying Nun Records. So Chris's pick is the 1997 album Take In The Sun by the band Bike. And Jay, I, like you, probably are not familiar with this band. No. No idea. Never heard of it. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the album cover. Yeah. Is it me or does that it does the font for bike look like the font for lit? It does. Kind of does. It's weird. There are two covers for this too. I don't know if you noticed that. Or there were two versions of the same release um, oh. on streaming, and the covers are slightly different. I guess but I, I did. think the font is the same. Um there's a 1997 original release, which came out of Flying Nun. And then there is also a 2006 release on March Records. So that must have been like the digital release. Because mm-hmm. this was only released originally on CD. There was no vinyl or cassette. Just on CD. And I don't believe it has been repressed anywhere. Or repressed, not repressed. It does have that like 90s like ironic kind of retro sensibility to it yes taking the sun yet the sun is kind of looks like it's you know lighting the whole album cover on fire so uh a little bit about this band they're from dunedin in new zealand uh members were andrew i'm gonna apologize if i mispronounce these uh andrew bro um or brew uh carl buckley tristan mason and wayne bell they only released one album uh, taking the sun on flying nuns records before that they released a um 
seven inch single and CD, uh, Save My Life was released on uh, Flying Nun. And then that was also included on the on the album. And so Andrew Bro previously was in a band called Straight Jacket Fits. I know that name, but I've never actually heard them. Have you heard of them, Jay? Uh, I had heard of them. I have to be, admit that I always got them confused with, uh, is it Low Straight Jackets? Yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I realize now after listening to this record, I did go back and, and sample um, straight jacket fits and they're nothing like low straight jackets i can say that <laughs> but prior to listening to this record i had never actually heard them only heard the name so straight jacket fits uh was shane carter on vocals and guitar john collie on drums david wood on bass and andrew bro on vocals and guitar they put out two records on flying nun records um hail and melt and then um after Melt was released, that's when Andrew Bro left the band. And he kind of let, got out of the music scene for a little while, from what I've read, and was just at home like writing songs by himself. Thought he put together like a handful of good tunes, got some of his friends together, and they formed what would end up being Bike. And um had a a you know fairly well received debut album and then um what was it in 1999 uh the the i mean the band was like touring and stuff and i guess there was some some issues on tour where he was getting into like fights with fans and stuff like that and so he just quit in 1999 and it completely disappeared left the music industry wasn't doing like made no public appearances he just left society uh basically um and uh passed away in february of 2020 wow um so chris who's going to be on the show with us um wrote a eulogy uh for andrew and you can find it um at pundit.co.nz slash content slash a dash eulogy for a dash for <laughs> dash andrew dash bro b-r-o-u-g-h pretty um, sure you can google chris bishop and andrew bro and you'll or find do it. that i think it's also it's on a um chris chris is a member of new zealand parliament so yes he's, he googles pretty high I yeah think and he wrote this in him. in february of 2020 um and just talked about what an important songwriter andrew was via the two bands that he was in that's very cool yes so i wanted to make mention um i i'm sure we would have gotten to talk to chris about it but i uh, definitely wanted to make mention of it so we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes as well yep um at patreon this is why I mentioned about people in, in New Zealand. Um, Vadim Tavor said, last year I went on a dive on a lot of artists on newly, New Zealand's Flying Nun Records, which is essentially their version of the U.S.'s sub pop, and fell in love, fell in love with a lot of their bands, uh, most notably Balter Space and The Straight Jacket Fits. 
Uh, Bike popped up in a segment of a documentary on Flying Nun, which I posted above, although I think Andrew Bro's absolute best song is Down in Splendor by the Street Jacket Fits on Melt. Um, There are some really excellent moments on the Bike album, and there's much more there. But it's cool to see that uh, the Dean was also getting into uh, some New Zealand stuff recently. I think some people, after hearing uh, Shihad and what was it, Big Heavy Stuff, was that the other band? new zealand uh, i thought they were australian or were they australian I thought so i'll have to, I'll have to double check i'm checking i got they don't come up on our site as new zealand okay maybe i messed that up um oh chris posted the uh the link for the eulogy in our, in our patreon notes that's right nice uh, Martin Gay said they have 211 monthly listeners on Spotify. That's a bit mainstream for me. <laughs> <laughs> Some irony there from uh, from Martin. So, Jay, let's talk about this record. Tell me one thing you liked about Take in the Sun by Bike. It's a record that's in a lot of ways sounds very familiar but also really unique. Uh, and it's, it, I guess you could consider it, you know, a couple flavors of records that um, I tend to like uh, when we review them blind and, and, and having not, you know, having context or hearing them. So it's really interesting in that I hear um a lush psychedelic kind of shoegazy sound at first but it's also very melodic um it doesn't get lost in that you know that aesthetic too much it's still very strong melodically both from a vocal standpoint and a guitar standpoint and then it also has really i think um examples of songs that that have a tight and you know really present groove you know there's it's not just kind of a washy dreamy sound there's songs like old and blue or save my life that they've got a really solid drum and bass groove to them that i think gives it this extra you know something different songwriting is also i think stands out um from maybe just a you know a band that would have a psychedelic or shoegaze style you know there's things here that i hear that are very similar or reminiscent to me wouldn't say similar reminiscent like notes or chord choices or phrasings that are reminding me of like john lennon or even badfinger um 
the birds a little bit, you know, they get a little jangly here and there. A song like keeping you in mind is an example where I'm, I'm listening to them like songwriting wise, you know, is this kind of reminds me of the birds or teenage fan club or is blue oyster called or something, you know, there's like this like classic 60s, 70s kind of songwriting at play here um, that I'm also gravitating to. So both sonically, there's a lot of stuff that is interesting and familiar to me. Uh, 90s ish, but there's also this kind of classic undertone to where they're coming from a songwriting standpoint. The last thing I really liked was it they have this really cool mix of guitars acoustics and effects um they're using i think chorus reverb delay and then they're combining it with a lot of cymbal and shaker tambourine stuff i think it's kind of like all layered in this sauce it's not hitting you over the head and a a vocal that's very breathy with a lot of not a lot, but some chorus or something on it. So it does this really interesting thing where, especially in headphones, where those all hit at this same frequency and they kind of create their own like sizzle. Like there's just this interplay going on between these choruses and delays and these shakers and like hearing the guitar strumming that, you know, kind of like play off of each other and kind of mess with your ears a little bit as you're listening to the record. Um, it almost creates like this wave of sound at this sort of middle frequency that creeps in and out and twists and turns. And just sonically, it's a really cool sounding record that I think um, it is unique in the way that it it brings all that layering together to to do more than just be a wash. It actually like starts to become an instrument in, into itself, which uh, I thought was pretty cool. What uh, what worked for you? Well, you mentioned um, the guitar stuff, and that was definitely what I was taken with initially because it was covering so many different sounds yeah. and 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 genres that I liked. And I, when I was reading this, um, there's a, a biography of the band um, that's linked to their Discogs page, and it's just, it has like uh, quotes from various interviews that. Um, Andrew Bro did around the time, and they asked him about his guitar setup for this, and I thought that was this was really interesting. He used two amps at the same time. He had a Music Man Quad and a Rollins sixty, and he wanted to create um, this like swirl of sound between the two amps, and he was playing them through a Gibson Dot Special three thirty five. Mm-hmm. Which, for those who don't know, that's a hollow body guitar, right. which creates yeah. even more chaos yeah. uh, when you're feeding that through two amps. Plus, he's yeah. using, you know, so I can, you know, that's one thing that I really liked listening to this record was just this big, blissed out guitar sound on a lot of these songs. This jangle that was very reminiscent of some of the jangle pop we've listened to, like, uh, Velvet Crush uh, mm-hmm. is a band I heard. And, you know, there was elements of Jellyfish, which always gets brought up when you're when you're bringing up Jangle. Um, but but more in the um, in in the '90s dream pop uh, or '80s uh, psychedelic dream pop of of like that stuff. 
the Matthew Sweet in the and early Matthew Sweet stuff, uh, and Let's Active and those sort of bands. Um, whereas, you know, I there are parts of this where I could definitely hear a little bit of Ride and some of that stuff. That sort of shoegaze that's not a big wall of noise like My Bloody Valentine, but more on the the groove sort of you know craft work groove uh mm-hmm. for bits and pieces um but then there were like songs that didn't fit into either like welcome to my world had a, a much different take um from a lot of this and a song like save my life which was i guess the big single for this record oh was it if 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 it wasn't like a huge hit or anything yeah. like that, but that was the the thing that sort of led them. I mean, that has like a birdsian kind of feel to it. There's yep. so there was a lot going on here where it touched on things like you. I hear a little bit to pieces of like I know where this is coming from, but there's also some little bit different takes here and there that don't make it specifically sound like one thing or another. It's just kind of like in the middle of a lot of things. Yeah, I, I guess I my take on that was then it becomes its own thing. Yeah. Um, which is what's most important. But it's accessible. Like you hear all of these other kind of touchstones that pull you in and help you relate to it. Um, but they're coming from from everywhere. You know, it's not just the voice or one guitar or it's just like as you're listening to the record you're hearing all these um both 90s and i think 60s and 70s uh influences come together oh yeah like um like inside i mean that could be a a 90s shoegaze song Mm -hmm. or it could have been like a george harrison solo song you know what i mean like it's it's depending on how how much you turn up the distortion or turn it down and play it on a sitar, I guess. There is there's stuff that like has elements of very psychedelic seventies or sixties, um, but then also crossing into like very dreamy um, pop stuff. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I've even heard like uh, you know they could fit in with a posies as well yeah. at times on this record where they don't quite have that edge that the posies can have and they're it's not as harmony based right uh, but 
it's in that ballpark, you know? So if you like that teenage fan club, Posey's kind of, you know, lush pop with a lot of guitar sound, uh, you will definitely uh, want to check this record out. Uh, what, what didn't work for you on the record? I faded a little bit on, on many of my listens. I found myself, you know, towards, I would say inside anybody know it gets very slow, a lot of slow and mid tempos. It really, you know, the, the, the bass and drum parts are important. Um, there's some vocal hooks here and there that pull you back there. It just, it, it lacks, I think a consistent, you know, every song or every other song moment that just grabs you and pulls you back to the record. Um, I felt like you very much get into this kind of like, and maybe it wasn't the intent, you know, it just is washing over you and you're kind of just going with it. You're not, I didn't find myself like actively being drawn back to the record unless I consciously, um, you know, made an effort to do it. Like, oh right. yeah, I, I, let's pay attention to what I'm listening to. Um, not that they say it doesn't happen on the record ever. It just doesn't happen. Like, I guess for me, a great record, every song has a moment like that where it won't let you, it won't let you ignore it. You know, if you're working or sort of focus on something else to me, like I want a record an the, an ultimate record to me would be like, every song has a moment where it's like, no, 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 no. Like you got to pay attention to what's going on here. Um, and it, it lacks some of those moments uh, consistently through the record. So that, that's really the only bad, you know, the, I wouldn't even say bad, but just what didn't work for me. Yeah. I, there is, there is a sameness, like you said, to uh, certain sounds and things that happen. I also think that when, if there isn't really a strong vocal hook and it doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, a blatant pop hook, but just something that, repeats and is is melodic his vocal then sounds it sounds like real reedy or like yeah it's 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 very thin when it's not doing something really interesting mm-hmm. um they do he does double it i think at times and that's where you get like the chorus effect um with his vocal uh but i just feel like it's good enough when the when the hook's there but when it's not it's it doesn't worked out well for me yeah it's effective when he uh changes up the cadence yeah Uh, it's effective when they change up the tempo so something like keeping you in mind is it's one of those moments where that kicks in you're like whoa okay here we go you know the the tempo's up uh you know the uh the melody's there on the guitar right away there is a little bit more dynamic to the voice in terms of you know it's picking up tempo and going back and drawing out lines and, you know, going faster and, you know, those little things make a huge difference with the vocal approach, uh, to help keep, keep me engaged. Yeah. And, and keeping you in mind when that starts, I mean, that could be a plimsoll song or it could be the angels or, I mean, you have no idea where that's going to go.
Yeah, and some of the, those <laughs> those melodies in that in the chorus there kind of sound like Blue Oyster Call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's got that little bit of like kind of uh, eerie ghosty quality to it, and the way he sings. You know, he sings in this like almost high register whisper at times it's not, mm-hmm. it seems like yeah it makes it feel like a little eerie and ghostly um so yeah i mean overall i like the vocal but i'm with you on the um you can really hear the the album come to life you know when he changes the cadence or even like on slide slide on by i think is you know one of the more energetic uh vocal songs at least from a chorus standpoint He's, re- he's pushing a little bit more, you know, there, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, I think this works well as a headphone listen, but I think mm-hmm. like you, this does not work as well as a passive listen because I would, unless I had it absolutely cranked yep. at, a, at like a normal, you know, volume, like a lot of time would pass without really me noticing and they'd be like, Oh, that's over. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but put on the headphones and it's definitely a different listen. So it's going to be your entry point. I think for a lot of people, whether they like it or not, based on how they're listening to it, because there's, you know, there's a lot of say my, my pop stand. There's a lot of like layering and stuff that's going on. And those, the guitar stuff that he's doing is creating some weird movement. So headphones definitely make it. Yeah, a it's a listen. listen for sure. Yeah, there, there's so much going on from a layering standpoint here that um, it helps be absorbed in the whole idea, I think. So normally we would talk about why this didn't do better, but I don't even think this was released um, in the United States. I think this was just in New Zealand. Oh no, it did get a US release. It got released a US release on March Records. March Records. What was that? Yeah, I'm seeing uh so I'm looking at the two versions. They're both on streaming. The first version that has the lit uh logo uh was re- released on Flying Nun and then the there's a 99 version that was released on March Records that has a slightly different cover where the font is different. So March Records was a sub-label of Emperor Norton Records, which was a Los Angeles-based electronica, hip-hop, and dance music label. What? <laughs> okay. They were both under Ryko Disc. Oh, geez. So if you're wondering why this yeah. maybe isn't well-known in the United States, there's your answer. Because nobody knows it came out. Um, So... But for 1997, I, this has a hard time finding uh, any radio uh, outside of college radio. There's there's no song on here that's like a 1997 Kiss FM station. <laughs> yeah. You know, or the Blitz. Like, none of those stations yeah. are going to be touching this. Uh, so, uh, well, you know, there's a vote on this. Let me refresh just to make sure the last couple of uh, votes are counted. But Jay, how are you ranking this? Worthy album, 
better EP or decent single? It's a worthy album. I, I could tell like as soon as I put this on, it 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 was working on a lot of levels. I don't think there's any, you know, huge misses on the record. Uh, I think sonically, it's a statement. I think the songwriting is strong. You know, it's uh, it's not perfect, but I think it's definitely a worthy album. I agree with you. I think maybe you could ax a song. I don't know which one it would be, but um, there's nothing really bad. Some yep. of them are just a little samey, but everything is interesting to listen to both from a musical standpoint and a, in, not just in terms of guitar, but bass wise, there's interesting things happening. And it's just, it's just weird that like, it's very specifically a headphone listen. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't know, know that you want to like blast this while you're working out <laughs> at the gym. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. Uh, so 57% of the voters at Patreon agreed with us. We're the album 43% better AP. So it was, a, it was a close vote there. But uh, glad we got some votes. Thanks to uh, Vadim, Martin, and, and Chris. Uh, them for commenting. Chris, for suggesting this record. And uh, you can stream it. It's on their streaming services. So you can go check it out. Yeah. And, uh, you know. If you're... F- a fan of those bands we mentioned i would even say if you're into brit pop you might like this record you know there it might definitely connect with you definitely if you're and and if you're into like the early blur or the ride mm-hmm. um you know swerve driver maybe that kind of stuff i think this would connect with those types of people yeah, this definitely feels like a uh a good dig me out album like yes <laughs> way underexposed could really connect with a lot of people um a lot more people than it has and yeah it's fun to put a light on it definitely and the another way we can uh, shine a light on albums uh that maybe we don't know about and deserve getting talked about is by going to digmeoutpodcast.com and suggesting an album on our suggest an album form the you know name of the band name of the album write a little bit about them and and send it on over and we'll put it in the hopper and it'll get voted on at patreon that's where you go to vote on these uh these polls for the albums and also get to vote in our monthly suggest an album poll nine albums every month suggested by anybody on the planet you know could be could be uh walter foltermeyer it could be uh Axel F. It could be uh, who else was involved in uh, Beverly Hills Cop? Uh, You're on your own. <laughs> I haven't watched that in God. Twenty. I years. really want to go back and re. I loved Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop I, Two as a kid. I, I did too. It was I so inappropriate to, say, to watch so young. I have to say, a lot of the movies that we've gone back and rewatched with Sora, you know, as she's getting older and. Mm-hmm these feel like age appropriate they don't stand up as well as i want them to <laughs> she's she's bored by most of them and i think had i not had the nostalgia and the you know all the the lines already in my head i'm not sure how much i would be enjoying them either so that that might be a, that might be one that 
It's going to be disappointing when she she watches Roadhouse and <laughs> thinks that that's trash. That's that's going to be the one that hurts the most. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can also go to our website to sign up for the Box newsletter. It's a newsletter via email that is sent to your inbox every week with all the new releases of 80s and 90s relevant music, uh, books, movies, TV shows, documentaries that have come out in the last week, and we review a couple of them every week, or our patrons do, uh, because they know more about music than us. And so uh, we rely on them to provide better insight uh, than us. So you can also uh, leave us some positive feedback over at Apple Podcasts. Five stars would be great. Just saying. Uh, there might be some uh, kickback in it for you. <laughs> you you might just get your your uh, rating just might bump us up a, a few slots in Apple's eyes. So yeah, and then we might send you a heart emoji. <laughs> Wouldn't you like that? All right. Or or a smile. Yes. Or a thumbs up. Good job. Way to go. (laughs) For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Did you see?